Last week, we talked about the formula for success, that when God uh, teaches us what it means to be successful, he says there are two parts, God's grace and our hard work taught to us by God's grace, that when you and I do those things, we will experience success in life, all areas of life. Now, by success, we don't mean that everything goes smoothly. What we mean is there's a thriving and a flourishing despite the suffering, the sacrifice, and the struggle that is endemic to being a Christian in this world. But God wants for us thriving, flourishing, blessing. And so he gives to us the formula for success. His kindness and grace to us apart from anything that we do and our hard work in cooperation with how his grace has taught us to work. Well, I hinted last week that we're gonna spend a little more time thinking about this, but focusing on the hard work side, the portion in which we are contributing to what is happening uh, with our success and thriving and flourishing. And this morning we want to think a little more in depth about the kind of hard work that God wants from us that he is able to bless. And we're gonna think together, there's lots of different ways that you and I work hard. The planning, the preparing, the diligent work. But the one we're going to focus on today is the hard work of prayer. In Colossians chapter four, Paul says this about a man named Epaphras. Epaphras is always, what? wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured, I vouch for him that he is, doing what? Working hard for you. Epaphras is working hard in prayer. Now when we think of hard work, we don't often think of prayer as being hard work, but in today's story that we're gonna look at from the book of Genesis and the life of Jacob, we're gonna see that Jacob is involved in lots of different hard work. He does some planning, he does some preparing, he's got a crisis he's trying to get through. But ultimately, the most important piece of hard work that he does is he engages in the hard work of prayer. And that when you go through and see our story, We'll talk it through this morning, but if you go back and read it on your own, you will find that while there is some blessing to some of the planning and preparing, what brings Jacob the ultimate success or blessing in his situation is how he engages in the hard work of prayer. And we want to think for ourselves, the formula for God for success has not changed. It is God's grace and our hard work and a big component of the hard work that we do is the hard work of prayer. And we want that to be uh, true of our lives as well. So let me invite you to take a Bible and turn to the book of Genesis chapter 32. Genesis 32. In the Bibles the church provides, it's page 27. Genesis 32, and we're gonna be looking at a story that is covered in Genesis 32 and 33. We'll mostly be in Genesis 32, but as you read this on your own, the story is covered in Genesis 32 and 33. 
The context for this story is Jacob, who we looked at last week, has finished working for Laban, his uncle. You may remember last week we talked about the fact that his uncle cheated him. He made it very difficult to work for him. He deceived him. But God blessed Jacob. God was gracious to Jacob and Jacob worked hard for Laban and ultimately for God. And God made him incredibly successful. Well, now it's time for Jacob to return home. And the important thing to remember is why Jacob left home in the first place. He left home because he stole a blessing from his twin brother Esau and his brother has vowed to kill him. So Jacob is now returning home, remembering the fact that Esau is still on the record as wanting to kill Jacob. Chapter 32, we begin in the very first verse. Jacob also went on his way and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is the camp of God. So he named that place Mahanaim. Now again, this is the grace of God to Jacob apart from anything he's done. God just happens to appear to him and encourage him on this journey. Well, Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He instructed them, this is what you are to say to my Lord Esau. What's Jacob's relationship to Esau? They're twin brothers. You are to say this to my Lord Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, male and female servants. Now I am sending this message to my Lord that I might find favor in your eyes. Most siblings don't talk to each other this way, do they? <laughs> when the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to meet your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought, if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. And I want you to remember verse nine when we come back to it. Then Jacob, what? Prayed. O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, Go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan some 20 years earlier, but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. In verses 13 to 21, we see some more of Jacob's hard work. He sends some gifts ahead to try to pacify Esau. He sends presents to try to win his brother's favor. Pick up the story again in verse 22. This is when Jacob prays the prayer we just heard him pray. These are the circumstances of his prayer 
verse 22. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. All right, remember the verse I told you to remember, verse nine? Then Jacob prayed. Now this is interesting. This is the first time Genesis tells us that Jacob prays. There's many times that God has spoken to Jacob, that God has blessed Jacob, but this is the first time we see Jacob taking the initiative to pray to God. Now, perhaps he had done some praying before this. Maybe he prayed after meals or maybe he prayed before he went to bed at night. But here, at this moment, Jacob is getting serious about prayer. This is the moment that he stops playing around with prayer and decides to pray earnestly and fervently for help from God. I wonder if you and I have had moments like this. A moment on our journey when we stopped playing around with prayer. We stopped praying sort of at night or in the morning or just before meals for a few minutes here and there and actually threw ourselves wholeheartedly and fully into being serious about prayer. In fact, actually this past Monday, as we're talking about this in our worship planning team, we get together and we pray for the services and talk about services and think about the sermon and those sorts of things. I asked the people that were there, have you had a moment or a time or an event or something that caused you to become serious about prayer. This is a genuine prayer. Jacob is wrestling all night with God, desperate for God to help him. This is not just playing around with prayer here and there. This is Jacob being fervent in prayer. And so I asked, when were the times that God did something that caused you to become serious about prayer or more serious about prayer? And there were 12 people in the room and they went around and shared just different things that caused them to get serious about prayer. Their comments fell into about three different reasons why someone might get more serious about prayer. All three of those are in this passage and I'd like to share them with you this morning. The first is multiple people said, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian home or I grew up around the faith or I grew up in church and I had always heard about prayer. And one day I just decided it was time to grow up. It was time to grow up and to be serious 
about prayer. Notice that Jacob prays, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac. Jacob's grandfather Abraham and Jacob's father Isaac were both serious about prayer. Abraham prayed urgently and fervently about Lot in the situation in Sodom, arguing God into rescuing Lot. When he's dealing with Abimelech, God says, go talk to Abraham because he is a prophet and he will pray for you. And when he prays for you, you will be healed. In fact, the first time that the English word prayer is used in the Bible, it is used in association with Abraham. Isaac, his dad. This is a man who knows how to pray. He prayed for 20 years that God would open the womb of his wife, Rebekah. Jacob exists because Isaac was serious about prayer. But up until this point, Jacob has not had his moment. He is not yet the God of Jacob because Jacob has not yet gotten serious about prayer. How about you and I? Maybe you have a grandparent or had a grandparent who was serious about prayer. Maybe you had a parent who was a prayer warrior. Maybe you've looked around at an older generation or at others around you who have taken prayer seriously. And you've thought to yourself, it's time for me to grow up. Prayer is what Christians do. This is what we do. It is hard work, but it's what it means to be a Christian. And every Christian at some point has to wake up and say, it's time for me to get serious about prayer. Prayer is the essence of what we do. We say that being a Christian is being in a relationship, a personal relationship with God. You can't have a genuine relationship with someone unless you talk regularly to them. That's what prayer is. It is us engaging with our heavenly father in prayer. Paul says the three most important virtues in the world, faith, hope, and love. Prayer is an expression of faith. It is where we get hope. It is a way in which we love God and love others. Prayer is the thing we're supposed to do. As important as evangelism is, prayer is more important. It was once said, it is more important to talk to God about humans in prayer than it is to talk to humans about God in evangelism. What are humans called to do? We are called to worship God. That's what prayer is. We are acknowledging that God is worthy. We praise him and thank him. Prayer is transformational. It is possible for people to be incredibly knowledgeable and well-versed in the Bible and yet have no transformation in their life. I personally do not know anyone who is serious and devoted to prayer, who does not look a lot like Jesus. This is what we do. And at some point, all of us on our Christian journey get to the point of realizing it's time to grow up. It's time to take our place among those who've come before us. I love in the sort of Star Wars saga, 
when somebody with force powers finally becomes a Jedi Knight, you kind of feel this very cool thing that they've taken their place among the Jedi that currently exist or those who have come in the past. This is how it works for prayer and Christians. This is the thing. When you and I get serious about prayer, we take our place among Christians who have existed for thousands of years who are serious about prayer. We take our spot among those in the world today in the persecuted church around the world who are serious about prayer. We get serious about prayer because this is what Christians do. And Jacob is finally stepping up and taking his spot. Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. There's a second thing that came up when I asked, well, how did people get serious about prayer? And that is many people identified going through a crisis as the thing that motivated them to finally start praying the way they knew they were supposed to pray. For Jacob, he is in a desperate situation. We saw last week that he is a skillful shepherd and we saw the week before he's pretty strong. But what good is one guy with 11 kids, he actually has a daughter too, so 12 kids, four wives and a few servants gonna do against an army of 400 armed men. Jacob's in deep trouble. He knows Esau. He knows Esau better than anybody else knows Esau. This is his twin brother and his twin brother has vowed to kill him. He knows that his twin brother has all of these men with him. And so Jacob does go through some planning and preparing. He splits everybody up into two camps, seems wise. He sends presents on ahead to Esau to try to pacify him, seems wise. Hard work, all yes. But if you go back and read this story, you'll get the sense that Jacob doesn't even seem to think his plan is gonna work. And when you go back and read this story, it's interesting. The dividing up into two camps and the sending on the presents ahead, Esau doesn't even want the presents. The thing that rescued Jacob out of his desperate situation is he prayed. He prayed earnestly and desperately. And when he goes to God, he is essentially saying to him, look, if you don't do something, I am going to die. Me, my wives, and all these children. And you promised you would help me. Maybe God invited you here this morning because you're in the middle of a desperate situation. Could be an academic crisis, financial crisis, a relationship crisis, some insurmountable problem. God has brought you here this morning because he allows those things into our lives to wake us up. There is something in your life that no matter what you are facing will be a blessing to you in the face of that thing and it is prayer. Not just praying for a minute here or two whenever you kind of think about it, but actually being serious to say, I'm going to engage in prayer. It's interesting, Jacob sends everybody across the river so that he can be by himself with God. He's planning on praying. He's not sent them across the river so they sleep over there and he sleeps here. If he was just gonna sleep, he would have slept with them. 
He sent them across because nobody understands what he's going through. Nobody knows Esau like he does. Maybe he's not even told everybody what he did to Esau. His wives don't understand. His kids don't understand. He is in a desperate situation. And he's finally come face to face. There is one who does understand. And so he's going to pray. There's a third reason why Christians get serious about prayer. And that is sometimes we recognize that God is inviting us to be serious about prayer. The thing about Jacob is, is he's had lots of experiences of God. God has shown up and spoken to him. God has shown up and blessed him. God has taken care of him when Jacob didn't deserve it. He's able to finally realize, look, I am where I am because of God's grace. God was faithful and kind in ways that I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have deserved. But finally in Genesis 32, Jacob realizes all of those kindnesses from God were actually an invitation from God. Come ask me for some more. Jacob finally realizes, hey, wait a second. When God shows up, it's awesome. When God helps out, it's amazing. Maybe I should ask him ahead of time instead of waiting to see when he will show up. This is the aha moment for Jacob. And you and I can go through the exact same moment. Maybe you come to church and you feel God's presence and you hear a testimony and it blesses your soul or you sing a song and the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Maybe you've had a miracle in your life. Maybe God's shown up and done something super kind for you. Maybe he's provided a car when you didn't have one and you think, what a great God. At some point it should dawn on you and I for the next thing. Well, why not ask him ahead of time? If he's going to do all this stuff without being asked, what would happen if you actually asked him? Here's the crazy thing about God. Every blessing from God, every blessing from God is an invitation to ask for more blessings. See, God is the only one who has infinite resources. When he blesses you, he's not using up anything. And the reason why he speaks, the reason why he blesses is because he longs to do more. And some people have gotten serious about prayer by realizing, I don't want to wait till I go through a crisis. I'd like God to do some blessing now. And if he's willing to do all these things without me asking, what will happen if I actually ask him? Well, this passage not only gives us reasons why we should be serious about prayer, it teaches us something about how to pray. That when that switch flips, when you start to wake up, when you realize, when you hear the alarm go off, like God is calling me to pray, what can we learn from this passage about how to pray? I think there's three things worth us paying attention to. First, you and I, were designed by God to pray. Which means all the stuff in our lives that are there are there to help us pray. Consider Jacob. His occupation is that he is a shepherd. This means that he's engaged in physically exhausting work. He's a hard worker. It also means he does a lot of late night work. 
it means that he's responsible for sheep as well as for children being a parent. Well, how does Jacob engage with God in prayer? He wrestles with him all night long, arguing and wanting him to protect his children and his possessions. This is what a shepherd does. Jacob knows how to do this. Are you a lawyer? Argue with God until he gives you what you think is right for him to do. Are you a salesperson? Sell him on why he should do what you're asking him to do. Tell him, Lord, you will love it if you led my friend to faith. You're going to love this. Sell him on it. Are you a business person? Don't walk into a meeting with God differently than you'd walk into a meeting with your boss. Go with your agenda. Tell him why he should do what you're asking him to do. Tell him why it is this is a good idea, not just for him, but for the kingdom of God. Are you a student? Ask him to teach you. Do you have questions about how relationships work? Do you wonder why things are the way they are? Ask him, Lord, teach me these things. Whatever it is that's going on in your life, your occupation, what you're, what you're doing, these are all there to help you and I pray. Lean into them. Or consider your personality. Are you a late night person? That means God made you a late night person. Try praying all night. That's tough to do if you're an early morning person. But if you're a late night person, you're used to staying up to one, two, or three in the morning. That's an invitation from God to try doing that some night in prayer. Are you a technology person? Do you feel super at home with technology? Great, the Lord made you that way. Type out your prayers. Engage with God through technology. If you can only stay focused if you're staring at a screen, type your prayer. Are you an outdoor person? Go on prayer walks. Are you an anxious person? Wonderful. Make a long list of all the things you are worried about. Take it into God's presence. And here's the crazy thing about God. He wants you to tell him all the stuff nobody else wants to hear from you. Whatever it is, are you a person who struggles with fear? Take your fears to him. These are opportunities to tell him how scared you are. God made you the way you are. You were designed to be a prayer warrior. And whatever career you got, whatever personality you got, whatever life situation, those things are there by design to help you and I pray. Lean into them. Don't try to be somebody you're not. Be who God's making you. Jacob, as a shepherd, wrestled all night with God. Who's God made you to be? Go engage with him in prayer that way. Second, put yourself in a situation where you have no choice but to pray. Jacob sends everybody over to the other side of the river because he is going to spend the night engaged with God. He doesn't have anything else to do. 
There are no kids to take care of. There are no sheep to take care of. There are no spouses to interact with. He is in a situation where the only thing he can do is pray. One of the things that was formative for me in my prayer life is somebody who was in authority over me told me I needed to spend 24 hours alone doing nothing but engaging with God. Well, to be honest with you, after the first half hour, I was bored. <laughs> Who are you supposed to talk to? What are you supposed to do? I got all this time. Some of it's going to be eating and some of it's sleeping. I'm like, well, maybe I could sleep for like eight hours or nine hours or something. That would fill up some time. What are you going to do with the rest of the time? You got to fill it. I didn't know what to do. So I was like, count your blessings, you know? So I was just like, all right, I'm going to start just making a list of all the things I'm thankful for. And I started back as early as I could remember and I just started writing a list of all the things I was thankful for. And the craziest thing happened. The more I thank God for like friends in first grade that I remembered their names of, the more the Lord sort of spurred thoughts and like, oh yeah, what about this? And what about that trip you went on? And pretty soon the hours melted away and here was this big, huge, long list of all these things I was thankful to God for. Little things that I had forgotten about, big things that I was like, oh yeah, that was amazing. Put yourself in a position where you have to fill the time with prayer. If you set a goal to pray for an hour a day, you will figure out how to pray for an hour a day because you're not just going to sit there. You're going to ask somebody, could you teach me how to do this? You're going to look for ways. How do I fill time? You're going to figure out, I bet we could use worship music. That could be part of this. I bet I could read the passage we're talking about in church. That could be part of this. If you've set aside an hour, you're going to find a way to fill the hour. If you say, I'm going to pray until I'm done praying, you're going to be like me. We're going to be done after a couple of minutes. I prayed all the stuff that I can think of to pray for. Jacob puts himself in a position where he has to fill the time with prayer. And so he learns to do that. If you want to pray longer, set a longer amount of time to pray and don't leave until you've filled that time. Third and finally, I love this passage for this reason. Do not let God go until he blesses you. Do not let God go until he blesses you. Now you may read this passage and think, well, Jacob got sort of lucky. He got to wrestle with God and he tended to be a super tough guy. And so he held on to God and God finally like, all right, fine, I'll bless you. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 18. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should what? Always pray and not give up. This is not a one-off sort of story that you read and go, that's interesting. This is what Jesus actually wants us to do. This is God, the one we're going to pray to, telling us, pray and don't give up. Now, I love what Jacob does here because I think it's a great model for us. He doesn't tell God what to do. He doesn't say, I will not let you go until you give Esau a heart attack right now. He does not say, I will not let you go until you give me a bigger army than Esau has. He just simply says, you have promised to bless. I will not let you go until you bless me. It's a great model. 
The reason why we say the benediction that we say every week from Genesis 12, when we prayed over it and asked, Lord, what do you want to do? It's a bit of a weird benediction, I will be honest with you. But I feel like the Lord has given that to us each and every week because he wants you and I to know, I have sworn an oath to bless you. When you sit down to pray to God, the goal is do not let him go until he blesses you. Tell him, God, I am not leaving until you do something. I'm not saying what it is, but you gotta give me a word. You gotta give me peace. You gotta show me what to do. You gotta do something, God. Don't let him go until he blesses you. Jacob says, look, you made all these promises. How could those promises come true if I get killed? crazy thing is, as I tell you, don't let him go until he blesses you. But here's the really great news. He wants to bless you. It's not just that he has promised to, he longs to. I think the person who most enjoyed this wrestling match, I don't think Jacob actually enjoyed it. His hip gets thrown out of joint. I can just picture him. I mean, he's holding on for dear life. I think God enjoyed it immensely. Not in some sort of perverse way, but the same way a dad loves wrestling with his son. He loves the interaction. God loves when we pray. He is honored by the fact that we're gonna hold on for dear life and say, if you don't help me, what hope do I have? Here's the amazing thing about prayer to me. You and I can pray anytime, anywhere, about anything for as long as we want. And he always, always, always wants to engage. Do you realize the God of the universe never kicks anybody out of the throne room? Never. He never tells you, look, I don't want to talk to you anymore. You can argue with him. You can yell at him. You can vent. You can cry. You can beg. You can do anything you want. He just wants to engage with you. When you and I show up and say, I will not leave here until you bless me, nothing brings a bigger smile to his face. This is the crazy thing about prayer. God loves you and I so much. He throws open the doors of heaven and says, come any time. Stay as long as you want. Talk about anything you want. Get as upset, express anxiety, do whatever. Nobody else will let you. Come do that with me. It doesn't matter what you've done that week. It doesn't even matter what you're doing at that moment. If you want to come talk to God, he wants to talk to you. It's crazy. One final thought. This is the story where Jacob's name changes. He's got lots of important things that happen in his life. Lots of things have happened. Lots of things will happen. But this is the story where his name changes. God changes his name from Jacob to Israel. Even today, when you hear the name Israel in the news, 
It's this story. Israel as a name exists because it means struggling with God. The reason why Jacob's name changes in this story is because this is when everything changes. And the same is true for you and I. Whatever you've done up to this point in your life, if you choose to get serious about prayer, everything going forward will change. It does not mean everything will be smooth and easy. But it means that in the sacrifice, the struggle, and the suffering that comes with being a Christian, you will experience thriving, flourishing, and blessing. This is the essence of the hard work God asks for us. If you and I will not just play around with prayer, not pray for a minute or two here or there, not kind of pray sort of at night whenever we feel like it, not pray just sort of in a moment. If you and I will make time, if we will engage with God, if we will wrestle with God, if we will not let him go until he blesses us, your life will change. I guarantee it. There are few guarantees we can make in life. This is a guarantee that God makes to you. If you get serious about prayer, everything will change. Let's pray together. Lord, for 2,000 plus years, Christians have gotten to the point where they decided to get serious about prayer. Lord, in this room, there are some who it's time for them to grow up. It's time for them to step into their inheritance. It's time for them to take their place among praying grandparents, praying parents. It's time for them to start a new legacy for their children. It's time for them to join their place among the missionaries, among the pastors, among the servants, among the people who have prayed earnestly and faithfully. It is time for them to take their place among people in China and in India, people in Russia and Ukraine, people around the world who are praying earnestly and seriously and urgently. Lord God, you may have brought them here this morning and let them in, be in the middle of a crisis to wake them up to pray. God, I ask that if there's anybody in this room or anybody who's listening online who feels like they have reached a point where there is no hope, Lord, let them know you have brought them here to tell them to try to pray. God, perhaps there are people who are looking around their life right now and think, man, all these blessings, all this grace. Lord, would they hear in that an invitation to come and pray? Lord Jesus, I ask what your disciples asked a long time ago when they saw your prayer life. Lord, teach us to pray. When they saw what prayer did in your life, this was their request and this is my request today. God, why not start here? Why not change us? God, why not, if you would take one person in this room and make them like Elijah who prayed three and a half years that it wouldn't rain on the earth. Lord, why couldn't we pray and transform everything? God, would you raise up someone, anyone, all of us, to pray, change this church, change this city, change this community, change this world. God, the problems that we face are too big for us, but God, they are not too big for a person who can pray. And so Lord, you have arranged all things so that these people 
all of us are here this morning to hear this message. Lord, do not let it return void. Do what you said you're going to. God, would you not be overjoyed to have people who prayed earnestly? God, this is your chance. Please, God, would you plant this seed deep in our hearts? Would you cause it to bear fruit? Will those who are serious about prayer become more serious? God, this is your opportunity. Lord, do this, please. We're begging you. We do not want to let you go until you bless us in this way. And so we ask you in the name of our Lord Jesus who taught us to pray and who is right now praying for us in heaven. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.